Traveling the Vortex. We've joined Sir Alistair as he astral projects throughout his timeline and arrive at episode 491. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. Are we sure he astral projects to these? I mean, I guess. I don't. That's think... what the official synopsis says. Oh, does it? Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll go with it then. <laughs> I didn't remember anywhere that kind of described, or uh, uh, at least described it that way. I mean, it's this is sort of the same way. I mean, it's kind of how. Yeah. That's kind of how Bill and Herb traveled in Vista uh, uh, Fang Rock, and they kind of, and I think he described that as astral projection too, so or astral travel, astral projection through time. Yeah, and now trapped in the past, Lethbridge Stewart finds himself facing mirror images that are not his own, and hoping each time that the next <laughs> astral projection will be the one home. <laughs> took me a second to figure out you were doing quantum leap there oh for yeah, pete's sake guys come on <laughs> hey we got there <laughs> we got there eventually we're not the quantum uh leap fanatics like you are i don't think i've seen any episode more than once <gasps> i have them on blu-ray if you want to borrow them no i, I no no offense but it's not that great of a show <laughs> oh those are fighting words <laughs> I've seen all of them. I, I watched the entire series and and uh, and that really 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 terrible finale. But I'll grant you that. Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys watch anything this week? Speaking of which, is everybody caught up on uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier? That's the only thing I did watch. Was finished. I finished that. Sean, we 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 are tomorrow for the ah time. bummer. Okay, we'll have to remember to talk about it next week because. I absolutely loved the last episode. I every mo- every second of it was so fun. Seems to be a bit divisive. I've I've seen I've, I've been trying to stay away from things, you know, on the internet because you know Falcon and the Winter Soldier discussion. Nope, not interested. Scroll, scroll, scroll. But uh, it seems like a lot of people are not thrilled. Really, I've seen a lot of the people that are thrilled that, that, that oh, well, thought good. it was great. So, huh? I've I've seen very few people that didn't like it, which is interesting. I just have a bunch of sourpusses on my timeline, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Apparently. Uh-huh. I enjoy people, it. I people that don't like Quantum Leap. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like it. I just didn't. It's not that great of a show. Not that great of a show. Yeah. I don't understand how the Tenth Doctor can be anybody's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Uh, we watched Nomadland. Oh, you did? The we did. Uh, best uh, Oscar Best Picture winner? I can say best picture winner, Nomadland now. It's good. I don't know that I'd have picked it for best picture, but I, I think I've only, I only managed to catch uh, three or no, four. I caught, I've caught half of the best picture nominees. I'm really behind this year. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was good, but. You think you're behind? I've seen zero. <laughs> and I'm with Keith. I have seen zero nominees. I, not just zero I, best picture. I have not zero seen nominees. I have not seen one picture that was nominated this year. Well, you you haven't seen Onward or Soul either. Oh, that, that's not true. I have seen Onward. Yep, there is one. I forgot Onward was nominated. Oh, okay, Mulan. Did you see Mulan? No, I haven't seen Mulan yet either. Oh, 
I mean, it's sitting right there in front of me on Disney Plus every day yeah, when I log too. in, and I just I I I just can't. You're too get... busy watching Ewok, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I just I can't uh, I I just can't get excited about the live action films. I mean, some of, some of them been good. Don't get me wrong, but I just can't get excited for them. I can't get excited for the Cruella one coming. I really either. can't get excited for that one. Yeah, because we we need another movie exploring the tragic backstory of a villain. Right, exactly. Uh, Her name is Evil. It literally translates to evil. Uh (laughs) I think it's it's Devil. Or Devil. (laughs) Yeah. Maleficent is evil. She murders puppies. We don't need a backstory, guys. (laughs) Just go. Exactly. I feel like Humperdinck. And next, my eyes. We get it. Let's move on. I didn't really watch anything this week. I don't think we. Uh, well, we watched. Um, what did we watch? Oh, we watched Iron Man three in our uh, rewatch. That's it. I didn't watch anything else. That that actually, and Captain America. I, I actually doubled. They're not Captain America, <laughs> Falcon, and the Winter Soldier. We. I. I felt like we've kind of needed maybe a refresher on some Cap stuff with Falcon and Winter Soldier. So, uh, because of that, and because it was requested for a Flicks with Friends review, uh, we went back and rewatched uh, Winter Soldier, mm. the film, and um, so got that done. And uh, we had just gone for this walk and came in, finished up the movie because I had to break it into two parts, which I find myself doing more and more of recently. It's really kind of a downer, and. Uh, <laughs> Jarvis collapsed. He was just so done. You know, we went <laughs> we went for a walk. We've been slowly expanding the walkies and a little bit further and a little bit further. Today we made a mile and he came in and was just like just just laid out while I finished the movie. And so we finished it up. And I got got up, grabbed my bag to come down here to record. And I looked down and before I could stop myself, I was like, You okay, Jar Jar? Whoa, no, I can't say this. <laughs> Your name is not going to be shortened to that. No. Jarvis, <laughs> leave it alone. <laughs> had, had to admonish myself. Uh-huh. Mel, of course, thought this was hysterical. She said, I'm going to text all my friends. No, you're not. Just leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, self, I'll self-own on the podcast. Thank <laughs> you very much. I was about to say, you just pretty much outed yourself anyway. Yeah. yeah. But it was good to go back and rewatch Winter Soldier. Now I need to see if I can squeeze in... Uh, Civil War tomorrow before we finish up Falcon Winter Soldier. <laughs> Winter Soldier's our next one, so we'll probably be watching that this weekend. I love that. Oh, one. Iron Man 3 is before that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And Thor The Dark World. Is it? Uh-huh. I mean, uh, release order it was. Release order, it was Iron Man 3, Thor Dark World, and Captain America Winter Soldier. The chronology that I'm using is Dark World, uh, Thor Dark World, Iron Man 3, uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier. The reason they do that is because those two films are tactically running congruently. So his this the chronology I'm using, he just had it listed this way, so I went with this. Gotcha. But there's an argument for both ways. So I figured since we were mixing stuff up anyway, we'd just mix up one extra. <laughs> Why not? Right. Watch them in a completely different order than you've ever done it before, just for giggles. <laughs> right. From inside out. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, cool. Well, if uh, nobody else did anything, let's move on to our reviews. The Havoc Files, The Laughing Gnome. Sir Alistair, Dayman, and Brigadier Bishop have been astral projected throughout the Brigadier's timeline by the mysterious entity known only as The Laughing Gnome. 13 jumps, 39 different adventures. Explore eight new encounters through time in the brand new anthology, including Sir Alistair finding himself at the body of his uncle, Matthew Lethbridge Stewart, in the 1930s, uncovering a Silurian relic in the 1980s, an encounter in Africa with an eld- his eldest son, Mariama Lethbridge Stewart, in 1963, and Dame Anne encounters the Borad in 1930 Scotland. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> well, you're not going to bum, bum, bum one at a time. You're going to go the whole book. Bum, bum, bum. I don't have individual synopses. So. <laughs> I guess that's true. So, Well, let's start it with Ghost Note. This was the one with uh, Ann Bishop uh, astral projecting into this house with these, um, well, I, these apes. <laughs> this one was so weird. It was weird. I, it's a lot of times you, you, and the nature of these stories, because they are astral projecting into different people's bodies, the, the struggle sometimes I have with these actually don't even struggle so much because a lot of times it happens. And then there's a little bit of confusion. And as our, uh, heroes discover where they're at and who they are and where, you know, what's happening, we discover as well, which can, can be effective, especially in these kind of stories. But in this one particular, I felt so lost and disoriented, and it took me a good, probably, I mean, and I think it, it's structured this way because there is much more of a reveal at the end of this that I think helps, but I was very, it took me much longer than most of these Laughing Known stories to really kind of get into this, to figure out what was happening, and and I think it's because it's such an outlandish idea. I'm a little surprised that, that they led the book off with this story because it is, it's an interesting concept, but it's really kind of out of the purview of what anything we've had before. And I don't think that it's not, I don't think it doesn't fit in the book, but it almost seems like an odd choice to start the book out with as different as it is from a lot of stories that, that we've had in the Lethbridge uh, Lethbridge Stewart series altogether. So I don't know. It almost feels like it's doesn't quite fit in with Lethbridge Stewart in general. It just, I don't know. Part of it feels also, I guess, ghost lighty, but now that they're doing a prequel of ghost light, maybe it does fit in a Lethbridge Stewart. I don't, I was very confused throughout most of the story and not sure I, really appreciated what they were trying to do with it yeah well it was one of the ones that i did have to i'd pick up and i'd put down and then i'd pick it back up and i couldn't remember what was going on and so i'd end up having to re-read a, reread a few pages to catch myself back up um i wondered if they were going the ghost light route and it felt very much that but I don't think this has any connection, right? Or am I, no, am I, don't I wrong? Think so either. Yeah. I, th- no, I, I mean, it, it gave me the it's ghost totally. light. Yeah, it gave me the ghost light vibes, but it did. Yeah, I, I was, and I had wondered maybe if that's where they were going was trying to connect it. I missed something, but I didn't think it, it connected in any way. And maybe some of that ghost light vibe is because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. Well, yeah, on for, well, maybe it's one of those ones because I think 
well, myself for sure, Ghostlight, the first time I watched it, I didn't like it at all. And I think because it's so different and because it's, but the more I've watched Ghostlight, the more I enjoy that story. So maybe I need to go back and reread this and maybe I'll enjoy it better or figure or understand it at least a little better. Dig into the value added material to figure out what the meaning is. Right, right. So, see, that's funny too, because I would have, I I come down exactly right with you guys. I, I, I found it to be a little convoluted and confusing. Um, it was one that had many stops and starts in my attempt to read it and a lot of backing up to reread things to make sure that I thought I understood what was going on. And when you, when you finally get to the end of this thing, I thought, I bet Keith really enjoyed this one because it's like Ghostlight meets Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> it did also have an, uh, yeah, a Moreau feel to it. Yeah. Those are two of his favorites. So he probably really got into this and I can't wait to talk about it and hear him explain it to me. Cause I didn't get it. <laughs> and now I'm just crushed with disappointment. Did they ever explain what the, what caused the transformation? I know it was the music that was causing them to, but I never felt like I got any sort of satisfactory reason for what the process was or what had happened in order to cause this. Did, did I miss something there or, or is that left still very much vague? I mean, in generalities, it was this organ or this, uh, yeah, something with the organ, but I don't think they ever do really explain it. Yeah. It was, I, I took it to be some sort of scientific experiment that the guy was doing, but it was not necessarily science. It was more like a curse that he had put on the household. And when I play the organ, the monkeys dance and that's okay. But no, <laughs> cause that very much falls into that, that lane of, you know, I don't mind a little supernatural in my doctor who, but you better back it up with some science by the end of the thing. And I just, I don't feel like we ever got there. Well, and you're right. She mentions that there's some, you know, scientific instruments when she finds it. So it's like they tried to give that, you know, grounded uh, explanation, but I, it just didn't feel like it went far enough to do so. So, and, Well, and that's especially, if you're going to use Anne for this story. Yeah. Anne, of all people, mm-hmm. needs to root out the, 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 the true scientific basis of what's going on. And as with most of the the Laughing Gnome shorts here, it's almost like we get just enough of the mystery or the, the situation to be kind of intrigued by it, and then we get yanked out of that situation because it's a short and we're moving on to the next thing. Yeah, that and the fact that, especially in these stories, they when they have, as, you know, Sam does in Quantum Leap if after they have fixed the situation it seems to be that's what you know triggers them to be pulled into the next step so I kind of gave I kind of give it a pass because I think the nature her nature would have been to explore it a little more thoroughly but she didn't really have the chance so yeah the story also kind of as far as the laughing gnome premise is also, it feels like a bit of a stretch. If we're supposed to be going up and down the, the Briggs timeline, the one connection this story has is that it's set on his birthday. Yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't even think about there not being a... And that's it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about there not being a... At least, yeah. 
You're sure? You're sure born. there was no other connection to it? That's the only connection I ever saw. Oh, well, I'll be. Done and it now. even points out, of course, the date was important. It was the day Alistair Lesbridge Stewart was born. <laughs> I could. I well, I guess at least. I guess at least it's within his timeline. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Mm, yeah, it's an odd one to start the book out with, for sure. Considering it's not as heavily tied in like the other novels have been. Yeah. It's like they, she, somebody submitted this story as an idea, and they said, well, it doesn't work with a normal Lethbridge Stewart, but maybe for this it would work. Well, that's a, that's a good point, too, is maybe, well, this was Harry Dra- uh, Draper. What else had he written? He'd written, I think he's written another short story. I can't remember if he's done any of the full-length novels. novels, but I don't know. Now, again, interesting one to start off the, the book with, but. I guess maybe it was a get it out of the way. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the cruel oil. The cruel oil. Yeah, right. That was the only other thing he wrote for Lethbridge Stewart? That I am aware, aware of, of, yes. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next one, which was the uh, Specter of the uh, Gyron? Gyron? I wasn't supposed to know this monster, right? This is not a... I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Okay, so uh, if it but does have a connection, it might be in in materials we have not uh, reviewed, but not not at least TV and audio that we've had so far. Correct. This one I liked a lot better. In fact, I thought this was more in line, which maybe this is why this is seated second. Is uh, it pulls you back into the okay? This is more of what you're going to expect from. Uh, these uh, uh, laughing known stories, but I like the fact that Alistair jumps into his, you know, friend uh, at a young age and right. This is the one where the interdimensional bounty hunter thing is coming through and he's yeah. hunting the uh, monster that's come through and he leaps into, is it Oliver that he leaps into Oliver Vine? And uh, uh, George, oh, George Vine, yes, sorry. And uh, he leaps into George Vine and ends up having to, or or ends up putting him in a situation to save these other guys that have been bullying him in order to, uh, I guess the, the nice thing about it is the fact that he does something good for him and puts him on a different path with these guys, which I thought was kind of a neat, neat little story, yeah. It's a quick one too, but it it packs a lot in, a lot of action, a lot of story, a lot of character, and it, then the added bonus of you know being Owens, getting a little backstory on Owens' dad. Right, right. Well, I think um, also Alistair getting some backstory as well because he really, I think he really, it was a learning thing for him too because he mentions at the end that he and George were never close. And that he yeah. felt he felt like he knew George more and understood maybe a little more about him based on this. So you're right. Yeah, though, it, it's um, quick. It ties in nicely with um, the was it the first Lethbridge Stewart story where we we go home and it kind of I feel like it's been so long since I've read the the novels too. Um, it's the first one where we go back to. Um, you mean Forgotten Son? Forgotten Son, yeah, thank you. Um, where we get the, the the kind of the initial foundations of the backstory with the friends and what happened to his brother and and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's nice that it ties in, 
and kind of gives you just a little bit more shading to George in uh, with, with or, uh, what's his name Vines that he's that he's leapt into. But uh, it's a, it, it's a quick one. It's a fast one from a standpoint that it's it's a short story in in the run. But as you say, Keith, it does pack a lot into it, and that shading that you get that ties into Forgotten Sun, I think, does add a really nice element to the the kind of uh, background characters that are, are, are filling in that book. It maybe is not super important from Lethbridge Stewart's point of view. I mean, it's nice that he gets a little insight, but it's not like he's dealing with a, a, a family member. It's just somebody that he knew when he was a kid. And yet, it kind of brings that connection to home back up. I don't think I can hear myself talking, and I don't think I'm explaining that very well at all. But <laughs> No, no, I think you are. I think, I think you're... Um, I also like the, what was the, was it the, they call him TN79 was the, like, bounty hunter that was, or I say bounty hunter, the, the, the guy that was hunting the, the creature that was coming through. Um, it's almost like it needed to be Lethbridge Stewart leaping into this because, you know, we, <laughs> prior to Unit and prior to, uh, I guess I shouldn't even say that because it, things have happened that are uh, out of the normal or unusual. But for this group of people that we've been introduced to, there hasn't been these like really kind of sci-fi elements, these real, real fantastical things happening to any of these peripheral characters, um, like Oliver or not Oliver, like George and those the, the you know those kind of things. So it's kind of appropriate that Lethbridge Stewart leaps in here in order and almost at the right time so that George doesn't have this weird thing later on, you know, that's like, Oh, this, this bizarre thing happened to me where this spectral, uh, bounty hunter was chasing this monster that, you know, because it it happened, but it happened because Lethbridge Stewart leapt in there and, and took care of the situation. So it, it, uh, it works on a level of, George wouldn't necessarily remember this, but George was involved in these events. So, Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, the next one is A Moment in History. and the, Oh, wait, I should say the uh, specter of uh, the uh, gyrant. That was one that was written by Tim, Gra- Tim Gramble, uh, Gambrel. And then this next one, uh, A Moment in History, was written by uh, our friend uh, Andy Frank and Mountain. And this is the one where Bill gives birth to, or helps bring Alistair into the world. <laughs> is, is the is the doctor that delivers Alistair. There you go. There That's you the go. words I'm looking for. Yes. This one was really neat, but I was so uncomfortable for Bill the entire time. Especially when he yeah. realizes what's happening, when he when it occurs to him <laughs> where he is, what's happening, uh, it just I, I I just felt so uncomfortable. And this is a, one of those ones that it didn't give it give it didn't give the secret away too soon, but it's one that you do figure out before Bill figures out, and I think that that ultimately 
makes you makes me a little more uncomfortable as I'm reading it because I know where this is going. I know that he's going to end up being the one that delivers the baby. And so I'm thinking all along, oh, this is going to be really awkward. And what a story they have to tell when they all end up back together in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You almost wonder if he just kind of skips over this part. Yeah, just you know, doesn't even just, one of those things he just doesn't happen to mention. <laughs> what happened to you? Nothing. <laughs> no, no, nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. All quiet. <laughs> it's good though. It's a good story. It's a lot of fun. Um, I like that that Bill is speaking very out of character for this doctor, and the wife is almost like this isn't like you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's being all sweet and and. and uh, cordial and all this and and she's she's just like taken aback because he's being very different of, of course he is because it's not really her husband well and there's also the 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 fair amount of um oh i don't necessarily want to say sexism but it, you know, there is it's just from the time frame involved and I, even bill's a little taken aback by it that it, it's very dismissive toward women in a lot of ways yeah um yeah. And again, it's the times it's meant to be because of, of the time frame in which it's set. And Bill being a modern man is, you know, we don't do that around here. Right. Right. Yeah. How much older is George than Alistair? Do we know? It's been a few years, right? That was a fair few. Yeah. So um, I, I, I want to say apparently old enough to be out in the world somewhere <laughs> instead of at home with his parents. Well, the reason I say I, that I is say it was at least five. The reason I say that is because it. I I think I just put this together. It's almost interesting that the first story in this book and this story take place on Alistair's birthday. It so almost was the last make, one. Yeah, it, but it almost makes me wonder if the one sandwiched between that Alistair's jumped into could also be happening on the day of his birthday. It's just not it, conveyed it to us. Oh, it is. It's conveyed to us. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, and like in the first page, he discovers the date and goes, oh, it's a good thing I'm not, I didn't jump into my own body, otherwise I'd be being born, essentially. Oh, okay, so I completely missed that until now, that that all all of these, all of these are happening on the same day. Okay, that's interesting. I, I, I sort of makes the, the first story fit a little better. Um, again, that feels a little forced, though, that <laughs> they had to mention that just to connect it, but. And after this, I believe none of the other stories are set during the same day too either. Yeah. So, well, I feel kind of, I feel kind of, I feel kind of dumb just now realizing that these are all <laughs> the same day. I should have, should have picked up on that. I guess you're forgiven. <laughs> I like this one a lot, though. This was, this was good. It was real well written. Should we move on to locked it in? It was very well written. I wonder the need for it. <laughs> I don't know if I needed to read a story about Alistair's birth or to have Bill present for it. And while it was well-written and enjoyable, it's just when I finished it, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure I needed to read, know about that. Well, I, I mean, sometimes you, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, oh, that was fine. I did. I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, we've had a lot of, not a lot, but we've had a few short stories that were sort of, throw away fun as this one says a moment in history um i think i I think that's the intent of it is is sort of a step away from the normal 
step away from the you know the science fiction step away from the well it's still here but and to give us a little more uh of a moment in uh the brigadier's life and i i, I to me it's it fits really well i think it i think it really worked and I, I didn't have a problem with it being here at all well and we've already had the one uh that was set in the past where aliens were attempting to influence the birth of one of the lethbridge stewart right. clan right so uh, I, I, I don't think we could have necessarily gone down that road and made it something super serious and, you know, earth shattering that Bill had to be there to stop. I think it was more just a matter of here you are. And so there's a certain level of it's appropriate that somebody's here on the day of other than Lethbridge. <laughs> well, let's move on to the next one, which was locked in by, I never remember how to say Sarah's last name, Sarah Groenwegen. Yes. Groenwegen? Okay. And this is, we finally get a little payoff to The Lock-In, which was a short story that was done several years back, where uh, the Brigadier is corresponding with the gal in this, and they are discussing this incident, and we actually now are brought back to the day and get some a little more insight and a little more first-hand knowledge of what happened that day and how... Uh, she helped and why you know there was this very almost cryptic recall of this day we get we finally get that payoff of oh this is what happened and this is what was behind that story which i thought was a very clever thing to do very very far out from the original story but uh, and i think sarah wrote the first one too so i think this was her her doing for a continuation of that or not a continuation but a, a a pairing of those stories I think this probably was one of my favorites also because of I got the impression that this was the first time the Brig met Samson. Right? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so that just elevated the story even more for me, even though it was a, you know, okay, now we get to see the actual events of what happened. That made it cool as it was, but then adding that extra layer yeah. to their, their getting to see their meeting was a nice touch. Yeah, it was a it was a very nice way to kind of get another side of that tale, and to suddenly fill in the blanks of oh, okay, I, I you know, you, you just get those moments, those aha moments as it as it unfolds, where where suddenly it's like, well, you know that you had these pieces to the puzzle, but then to suddenly be given the rest of it and go, all right, now I'm with you. Um, I really enjoyed this one as well. I also. Um, I really enjoy the the uh, the character of Pearl and the reveal at the end of the story that, of course, she didn't fancy him uh, because she's gay. Mm-hmm. I think, in a way, takes kind of a weight off Lethbridge's mind. <laughs> I think this is one of those oddball things that he's been obsessing about, and not necessarily in a good way, but just... Just it's, it's bothered him for years and years and years and years and years. And now he's like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can, I can let that go. Right, right. There's much more I could say about this one. I, that's what, those were kind of all the points that, that uh, I had as well that was interesting. Want to move on to the next one, The Last House on Sandre. This one I don't remember too much about. This is the one where Dame Anne leaps into the girl and they're getting ready to move from the house, right? Is that that one? Yeah. Yes. This is the one with the Borad. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
which I thought this story was a, a pretty clever way to revisit the character the, the, of the Borat. I thought they did a really good job with it, making it kind of this this weird thing that kind of comes every once in a while and they have to move because of it and then and kind of resolving the whole issue. I thought it was very well done and a nice, a nice tie back and uh, resolution for Time Lash. Yeah, yeah. This one was probably my favorite of, of the batch. Um, I, I liked, although it's, I, I, maybe the, the picture that's painted is a little odd because it seems like we're completely isolated, that there is nothing around. Oh, except for these two houses that happen to be sitting next to each other. And one's got a really broken down sea fence, you know, that you see on Martha's Vineyard kind of things. And the other one's haunted, but don't let that dissuade you. It's a, it's a nice area. Uh, <laughs> But I just, I, I enjoyed the, you know, this one to me was much more in keeping with, with Anne and the scientific drive to solve something yes not right. Yes. And yes, it was a supernatural element. Yes, it was a ghost story. Yes, it was all these things. But then Anne's there going, aha, and just kind of dog terriers her way into it with the teeth. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted. I needed right. that kind of story. So. Right. No, I, I agree her tenacity. <laughs> I would agree. And I think that, that this is, it, it's well suited for Anne for us, for a story as well, especially because of her kind of, uh, determination and indignation. It, it's yeah, it, it really fit her character and how she, she would certainly need to understand what's going on here. Yeah. A couple of creep out moments too. It did have a couple <laughs> of creep out moments, yeah. especially with the, the weird old man that, kept popping in and any excuse to name drop hg you know that's right that's <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the next one is the dinner party by baz greenland uh, this is the one where uh the brig leaps into his uncle right yeah okay. this is a nice one in giving a new light to the uh the brig's dad you know and painting him in a, a more um, positive light and giving him a little bit better shading to make him not seem so e- evil is not a good word, but you know, not, he's, he doesn't seem like such a bad guy in this. Right. Right. He has Makes seemed a little cool. disreputable in maybe some of the other paintbrush variations of him that he, he he's, he's not a bad guy, but he's, he's just maybe not, not the idol of his son's eye, if that makes well, sense. Well, I think that's just it, too, is because what he remembered of his dad, he was a very strict authoritarian. He was, you know, the military man that was hardly at home. And then when they thought they'd lost him, and then he comes back years later, coming, we find out he's come out of that rift, and he's been fighting this war in another dimension. And then so he's got those, you know, he, he's, He's got that ill will towards him for that. So I agree that this kind of gives a better look at him and what he was dealing with when he was growing up and, and also the conflict that he had with his own father. And for the the brigadier to be able to, in the body of his uncle, sort of stand up for his dad and stick up for him, I thought that was kind of a neat little touch as well. Yeah. yeah. And seeing his dad do the same thing for his brother yes although he it's you know the brig on the inside right so in a way he's 
also his dad standing up for his son. Even right. right. His dad doesn't know it. Which is another nice touch. Yeah. This was just a sweet one. Yeah, it really was. Next one is Latent Image. Uh, that's is by James Middle- Middleditch. And I am at a loss for remembering what this one was about. So somebody else. Uh, this one was a hard one to get through. It was. This was. Is this the one with the photograph? Yeah, where the the, he jumps into the the family whose son disappeared, however long ago, but is like still a ghost, and they essentially have to free him from whatever's having him captured there by letting him die. And what was it that drew the brig to the house? There was there was a reason why he. It was, was the wife was going by the house, and because she was convinced he was still there. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of got the impression had the brig brig not been here, the 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 dad probably would not have ta- or the yeah the dad would not have taken her seriously, and we had we wouldn't have gone down this route. But because he had some experience with, you know strange things uh he does indulge her and and does take her to the house so yeah that was uh, yeah it's all coming back to me now it's a pretty heartbreaking story though the way it's written it really is yeah yeah this was um i'm paging through it to try and remember some of it uh because it's been a while and and as you're describing it's like oh yeah this is the one that i i admired the story but i don't know that i liked the story because of, I mean, it, it, it was, it's pretty dark. Yeah, it is dark. And, you know, not that there's not a place for that in the, in the Lethbridge Stewart universe, but it was a, it was a tough read, this one. And I don't remember if they ever really fully explained what the entity was that had captured the sun. Uh, no, but it was, well, it wasn't it again, something interdimensional that was traveling at the time. And we get the impression that it, or Early on, we think it's something nefarious, and yeah, later and it, it's it, discovered that it wasn't. It was he was actually trying to help them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But you're right; we don't get much of an explanation of the background, other than he Which was I, traveling. I remember finishing it, going, and "That was okay that I didn't get an explanation." Yeah, I kind of thought the I same get, thing. All right, the next one is "Pure History" by George Ivanov. This is the one with. Uh, and leaping into the college professor, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. So this is the one. This is this one was my favorite of all of them this because one was a lot of fun. this one was. I thought this one was very cleverly written. That we've got somebody in uh, a, an era that is thinks that time travelers should not be traveling in time, and so decides to take it upon himself to take these people out of the mix and without realizing the repercussions of if you do that, you're also meddling with time. Um, but it's, it's really good because it's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's a little, you know, it's a little James Bondy. It's a little, you know, subterfuge. It's a little, uh, just all the elements that make a really good, you know, action suspense story with a really heavy sci-fi element. Um, this guy and and her realizing that the others him him knowing of the other targets being Bill and uh, the Brig, 
uh, you know, it raises the stakes that she's got to do something because not only is she saving people, she's saving people very close to her. And I, I, I thought that was kind of cool too. Just a yeah, moment of absolute. I'm sorry, Keith, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, there's just an absolute moment of absolute bone chilling when, you know, she thinks it's Bill. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bill? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm afraid not. And, well, you're not Alistair, so how do you know who I am? <laughs> right, right. And, and it just suddenly becomes a dun-dun-dun kind of moment. It's like, oh, what is up with this? That's the Knight's Tempest, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and just that idea of the Knight's Tempest and this cult that he's built up around it also, that it's not just this one guy going at it alone. It's a whole group of people I thought was a nice touch. Right. And it, it was kind of cool that he... that. Anne's able to kind of break the one girl from the mind control, or not even mind control, but the brainwashing that she has of of it. So it was cool. I, I really quite enjoyed this one. And it kind of gave some hints and foreshadows to the future of what's in store for the Leth- or the Laughing Gnome line. Yeah, yeah. This gave us a uh, kind of a nod ahead, I think, which might have been one of the important things. Andy did warn us before we finished the uh, other pieces of the series that we look at this one. And I think there's this and one other story, I think, that I realized, oh, this is why it was important to go this way first. So, mm-hmm. what Because else? she steals that USB drive. And right, right. Yeah. What else on this one? Is this supposed to be the one that had the Silurian artifact? I read that in the synopsis, but I can't figure out which story that was. I don't. I don't remember a Silurian connection in it. I don't remember the Silurian connection in the book at all, but the thing on the HR website says there is one, so there must be. Huh. Well, let's move on to the next one, which was a uh, John Peel story, and the crowd goes wild. I find myself. This is another one of those moment in history type stories. Yeah, I find myself at a loss to remember what this one was. Jog my memory. This is the one where he's in Africa with his yes, yes, yes. first wife and his first son and him trying to connect with with him. And right. for being a, a, a simple story, um, I think what makes this one work for me was is simply the fact that John Peel is such a, a fantastic writer. In, in a lot of ways, this is a gem of the collection because it's so well written. Even though nothing really happens, it's just kind of a... Uh, you know, a, a little family drama in the jungle you know, going on. Right, right. I think it's also oh. nice too uh, that the the series is sort of uh, touching on the the Briggs, you know, kind of uh, broken uh, family uh, history mm-hmm. as well that was established in the New Adventures because uh, Transit, which I think was the first one, uh, Ben uh, or uh, Ronovich, he wrote that. And that was where they planted the seeds of the uh, lineage of kind of the love child lineage that, that is set up uh, by this story when the Alistair is serving in South, uh, Af- or not South Africa, but in Africa. And, uh, you know, Sire is a love child. And I do like that this is able to give Alistair maybe a little bo- more of a, you know, when, when, when this is brought up, you sort of the image of Alistair as the uh, 
noble man or the and and we have other things that break this as well his you know relationship with kate at one point is the same way but you know the, the alistair is the the noble man and the good guy and all this when when those sort of things are brought up and even though you know it's it's just somebody being human it does it kind of humanizes your uh the characters and so in order to be able to give the brig a chance to connect and give some uh, uh, some hope or some uh, not some hope, but to give some insight and give some fatherly to be a father, if if only briefly to him through this man who is also struggling because he does you know the, the kid does not recognize him as a as a father, and he's you know got this this image of this great man who is his father who he doesn't even know but because he's you know built this up in his head that you know his father is this great military man and for alistair to be able to kind of ground this kid and also give him a way to connect with this man who really truly is acting as his father now i thought that was a neat uh, uh, way to to frame this story yeah, it definitely brings that um, <clears throat> because I, I think we've all had this image uh, of of the brig from the show that while there are occasional times where he doesn't get along with the doctor, he's just he's he's a good guy, you know, and he's somebody to look up to. He's a great leader. He's he's got all these fantastic attributes. <clears throat> and as the series of Lethbridge Stewart novels has progressed, and we dig a little deeper into his background. And a lot of this is, you know, also true from uh, uh, downtime and the other fan productions and whatnot. But all of a sudden we realize that uh, there's some skeletons in that closet. And he's he's not a bad guy for having those skeletons. He's human. The, right. These are mistakes that anybody can make. These are problems that anybody can go through. And when you couple in the fact that, uh, you know, he is head of a paramilitary organization that deals with aliens on a regular basis. You know, you can maybe cut him a little more slack. So it's always good to go back and, and really kind of dig down and drill down into one of these episodes in his life where there was a, a big problem or a slip up or something that he would regard as a mistake and then kind of soften the blow for him. I think it helps make him a more noble character in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. And then uh, that's it, right? This was the last story in that book. Yeah, that's it. We move on to uh, the next. What is next in this series? It's uh, Rise of the Dominator, right? Rise of the Dominator, I believe, is the next one that we're due for. All right. Well, we'll move on to that. It'll be fun to get back to some Dominator action. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe Keith will get lucky. We'll get some more quirks. Ooh, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get his hopes up. I know. <laughs> Maybe he'll get a quirk. <laughs> but that is a still solitary. That is still down the line a ways, and we are going to uh be back into the Lethbridge verse uh eventually or Lethbridge Stuart verse. <laughs> what do we call it? Lethbridge birth verse? What do we do? Brig verse. That's it. Brig verse. The brig verse. Uh, we'll get back into the brig verse uh, down the line, but uh, we've got some other things to do between now and then. Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule next week, we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of Doctor Who the movie. <gasps> Can you believe it? It's I been can't 25 believe years. It. 25 years. 
The actual anniversary date uh, is the 14th of May, so we will be just a little early. But uh, I don't think anybody will begrudge us that. No, no. And uh, as part of that celebration, we will be reviewing and taking a look at the Big Finish audio set Master, starring Mr. Eric Roberts. Uh, and I believe there's three stories in that. Yes, Keith? Yes. 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 Three stories. So we'll, we'll take a look at all three of those. The following week, you can tune in to get our thoughts on the animated version of the formerly lost episode, Fury from the Deep. Oh, it's still lost. Well, <laughs> it has animated the missing pieces. Right. It's only lost if it's not sitting on my DVD show. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> <laughs> because it is there, I am now happy. You found it. <laughs> I found it. Me. All by myself. Alone. <laughs> uh, so we'll be taking a look at that. And then, some fun... We will be taking a look, uh, thanks to our friends at Pencil Tip Publishing, at the new uh, charity novel, Sarah Jane Smith, Roving Reporter, which is a collection of short stories that uh, all feature our Sarah Jane. So we cannot wait to get into that. And yes, indeed, we might even have a giveaway. <gasps> Details to come. So if you'd like to get your hands on a copy of this book, keep listening <laughs> and be sure to check out our website trialofvortex.com for updates to this schedule and to the podcast if you get any value out of this podcast why not consider putting some value back into it you do that by clicking on the patreon link there on our website and consider supporting us thank you to those that already do and also please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast if there's anything else we need to cover fellas if not until next week i'm glenn I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.